I have to acknowledge that I'm becoming popular because of what I'm doing. What I wanted to do is working. And it's not always going to be met with open arms when people have their own agendas. For fuck's sake, a theater podcast, a.k.a. 4FS Podcast, hosted by Aaron Salazar. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to For Fuck's Sake, a theater podcast, lovingly referred to as 4FS Podcast, because you cannot cuss in a social media tag. And so, you know, that's how it works. I'm Aaron Salazar. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This is the premiere episode of season two. And I am so thrilled and excited to have with us, kicking off this month, the brilliant, talented, fearless, dare I say, Davon Williams, dear listeners. So we're, I'm going to try something a little different if you tuned into season one. We are going to kind of backtrack a little bit and jump right into the conversation. And the format of this whole podcast is we get a month of episodes. We get four episodes to really unpack some shit uh, with our beloved guests. And uh, we're going to do that. But I'm going to I'm going to play around and you all hit me up. Let me know what's going on. You can hit me up at F at 4FS underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, send a DM and we'd love your feedback. And we're going to just give this a go. Uh, so much stuff is going on in the world right now that we are going to jump into it. I'm also in California visiting family. So if you hear small children, those are my uh, niece and nephew that might jump in here and be like, Uncle Aaron, what are you doing? Uh, so that's just, you know, this is real life, goddammit. Um, there's lots of places where you can be glossy and beautiful. And aside from the way we try to engineer this for your ears, uh, you know, we're just people. So ladies and gentlemen, Davon Williams is an actor... I'm going to say, if you're comfortable with this, an activist, an AEA delegate who is kicking ass and taking names with his show, The Receipts. And he has an incredibly storied and really fascinating background of, of just who he is as a human and what has led him to where he is today as an artist. And one of the things that I really want to dive into with you, Devon, is talking about Hashtag action. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, right now, we were talking about this off mic about, you know, the pandemic has, has been very traumatizing, dot, dot, dot. We know all these things. I'm not discounting that. But I think the one thing to focus on this yeah, in our world, and specifically as artists um, who I identify as a Mexican and Native American man. That's those are that's my background and heritage. Davon, you identify as? Oh God, um, I identify as black. This is something I want to talk about really quick because this will lead us yeah. to this. What I, the point I'm trying to make is, as basically non-white creators in the business right now, um, there's a lot of shit we knew was happening, and obviously uh, things have come to light. And there seems to be two camps. Just to cut right to the chase. Yeah. There seems to be those that are complaining and those that are taking action. Uh -oh. And what Davon uh, represents to me is someone who is definitively taking action uh, to the point that he quite literally has a show called The Receipts uh, where it is, it is incredible. If you, uh, Watch the playbacks of these. They're, they're incredible. Um, we'll, we're going to plug all of that. You can find it all on the social media at 4FS underscore podcast and see what he's been up to. But that being said, you know, there's an interesting thing going on right now in terms of the term BIPOC. Now, here is my understanding of it. 
in my actually, let me frame it this way. My comfortability level of it is this. You and I talking to each other, uh, I am talking to a black man and an artist. I am a Mexican man and an artist. And together, that that is actually what we are. I don't feel that I would call this a BIPOC conversation because to me, it's like two is a company, three is a crowd, and then four is an umbrella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so to me, as a producer, when there are more than four or five people on a panel or in a creative team or on producers or or in a cast, what that word is saying to me, specifically through the lens of our business, is that there is a representation here of a multitude of non-white artists mm-hmm. who identify as many, many different things. You know what I'm saying? That is, to me, what it represents. Now, I think when we go into the nuance of it in terms of like what that means to my spirit, that's a different conversation. But to keep it to our business, that's where my head goes, and that's where I'm comfortable using this also as an identifier for our our white colleagues to see a signification a significant signification is that the right word mm-hmm. signification uh, it will be today let's let it be it's the word today damn it um, it's like peewee's playhouse <laughs> that's right the signification it will be the signifier of yeah. it basically shows them you listen we are in a business that is all about compartmentalizing and typing and blah blah blahing right and so well can i push back against that though because i think that's no please do please do please do yeah i I, I that's what i want to talk about i feel like one we we learn all this art and the beauty of art in expressing yourself is that you're able to break past boundaries and what i find so funny is for us to create we have to think beyond but in order for us to get in the room we have to we have to go in and it is, it is the antithesis of creativity to me. It doesn't come as like, how do you identify? I know I am of a darker hue, but I also, what is it? I was talking with, oh God, what is this lady's name? That's so embarrassing. I'm forgetting it. Um, doctor, remember the lady who I did the brown eyes, blue eyes experiment? Jane Elliott, Dr. Jane oh, Elliott. Oh, Jane Elliott. Yes, 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 yeah. of course. So when I was crafting the Black Theater Matters bill, I was speaking to all these random people and someone gave me a contact to the Dr. Jane Elliott. So I'm like, hey, I'm creating this Black Theater Matters bill. Love your thoughts on it. She reads the title and she's like, there's only one race, the human race. It doesn't make sense. That's how she, it's really nasally. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely, yeah. I I, I love her. And she's like, I don't know if I can come on because I think I'm going to be too like rebellious and I don't want to mess up what you have going. And I was like, God, isn't it so funny that this white woman is like, look, I'm not subscribing to any of this shit. And then I turn around, I'm like, okay, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to use the word black. I'm going to use the identifiers. And I was just like, God, like in that interaction, like we we had spoken through email like a good amount of times. And I had, again, I don't think she realizes how even when she breathes, she is a walk-in lesson. She is a walking lesson. And she influenced a lot of this bill uh, when it came to how to talk about race. Like if you look at the bill, I don't think I really, I tried my best to delete Black or BIPOC or any of that out because of, it's kind of like what uh, Vice President Kamala Harris says, when they're like, talk to us about women issues. And she's like, yes, I want to talk about the economy. It's the same thing. When you break down these issues at its core, we want a strong 
we want to we want a pipeline. We want to be able to work. We want to be able to uh, get the same access that everyone else gets. We have the same issues that are mainstream issues. And then there's these niche moments of racism. And for some reason, over time, it's like, oh, that's all black people care about. And I think that's what leads to these performative actions is because people are speaking to that as opposed to the actual core issues of access. Um, Access, um, data-driven equity, uh, education, understanding history, like these are real tangible things. But when you get caught up in the typing and the this group and stuff like that, you tend to you tend to get lost and it tends to get performative and you're trying to solve an issue that is more of a byproduct. I I really appreciate that point of view and I think it's completely valid. But here's where I'm going to push back as the old man on the mic. Yes. So <laughs> by the way, I should say today that Instagram totally uh they were they were they were literally targeted at terrorists so there is a gray there is a gray uh little cardigan that i have been wearing now probably for a solid just a little under a decade but now as uh-huh. i'm in my 40s with a lot of salt and pepper in my life i'm scrolling through didn't mention it nothing and all of a sudden a salt and pepper let's just say it kind of daddyish looking guy very handsome pops up in my feed wearing the exact kind of sweater that I would buy, but the bougie version of it, not the, not the H and M version that I happened to like, just make sure it didn't fall apart for 10 years, surprisingly. Um, and I was like, how dare you, how dare you see me so hard that you're like, this motherfucker wants a gray grandpa card again. Anyway. So when it yes. comes out, cause I think you broke news in season two. So what you're saying is, <laughs> not only do you identify one way, but you also identify as daddy. And no, I am not. Enough. No, I am not a daddy. No, no, no. But, it, I, but you I, just I, said it spoke to you. You just I will say, said Well, no, it spoke to me because I'm like, if okay, fine. It's the let's call it the uncle sweater. I'm into that. I'm I'm down with that. I don't like that. I don't I don't find that attractive. As I don't it does not it does I don't know. It gives me a lot of it's too it's too it's too dark. Um okay. Well that's another conversation. We really need to have like a pride episode where we just literally kiki. Um I keep talking shit about that for the last season too. We'll do it, we'll do it. Um so uh, yes and to what you're saying is as the young people have been teaching me to do um what i will say though as a producer and as a director um who really is at a place in my life where i've um in the last well but let's let's call this chapter of history right now right this chapter of the pandemic mm-hmm. I've really identified where my fears were and I've really, and I actually talk about some of that stuff in season one of like what, what my fears were as a creator and how the acceptance of commercial white audiences um, Mm. was way more at the forefront of, of what I was trying to appease rather than maybe living in a way more authentic truth, if that makes sense. So with that being said, where yes, I do fucking agree. It should be art and it is art and it is theater and it is humans, which is the biggest issue we have is that we are so compartmentalized and into labels that that's why we're in this fucking mess, right? In terms of let's not let, let me not speak. I'm not qualified to speak to this in terms of like relations with, uh, 
I'm not qualified to talk about like societal relations and that other than my opinions, mm. but in terms of our industry, I do think it's very important to unabashedly identify as what you are simply because when we try to play nice, it's just utter erasure. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and then when it is an erasure, it's tokenism, which is fucking worse. Or it's the gaze of commercial white producing or, or whatever that bigger person writing the check is dictating their taste level of how much melanin and non-whiteness they can accept from a POC cast or team of creatives. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, what I think it means to me, and maybe this is the romantic Pisces that I am, is it's putting your fist on the table and being like, to be clear, this is a group of empowered artists of color who are presenting a work to you now. And as a whole, this is what we're trying to have the agency to present. And, and that in terms of our business, let's be specific about, you know, sometimes I forget this is a fucking theater podcast, but in, in theater and now let's just, what is theater now, right? Now with live streaming, what is it, right? In the performing arts, I think it's really fucking important that we proudly, um, you know, roll call who the fuck we are when we walk in a room. Just in case you were wondering. And and the same way too, like I think it's really great that in the pandemic of what's what I think is I don't I that's I don't like to use the word great in pandemic, but what I think is important that I've been talking to like, you know, my family about and then, you know, my mom and like, you know, the older people above me is, you know, like, well, you know, they, you know, they even ask, you know, because they grew up in a time of assimilation where they're like, Well, why does everything have to be about dot dot dot? And I'm like, because mom, it's like if if we don't say who we are and hold on to it then we're erased. And what people don't realize is that erasure is oppression for us to forget that we all come from something very special. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yes. Like we're, we, we all have very special heritages and very special ancestors and, and people who really clearly did something right because mm -hmm. they fucking survived for our fucking artist theater folks to be here now. That's what mm. I'm saying. You know what I mean? And by the way, to, to be clear to anyone listening, I'm not justifying it and I have problems with it. But I think in terms of like what we're trying to do here as a business and have a life within this and proudly claim our space, that's where I'm comfortable saying that when it when it's unabashedly coming from a place of pride of like, this is the new team of Avengers walking in the room mm. and we are powerful and we actually have the agency to do shit on our own. This that was probably the most convoluted way of saying I'm having trouble accepting my daddy title. And I'm gonna throw I'm you <laughs> I'm gonna throw you off the balcony of your hotel somehow. I'm gonna reach through this um I'm gonna reach through the screen. I'm gonna go to little Nas X. I'm gonna go to little Nas's Instagram and I'm gonna enjoy the view. Um, talk about talk about art like it's just let's so talk funny about to art. Me. exactly oh, oh my god, god. well let, there we go let's get topical i mean let's talk about this young man first of all i it yes yes i yes. hope the entire i hope the entire marketing team gets raises like again when i saw it i was like i don't care about the song i don't care about this video okay keep it moving and i was like oh wait 
this definitely wasn't even for me. This is not made for me. This is made for all the people who wouldn't have listened to him anyway. It's One just, million percent. It's just so interesting how like, like, again, I see everything that's happening right now as a moment of progress. Because if he pulled that shit a long time ago, you fucking kidding me? If he pulled away. that shit, if he pulled, I'm sorry to cut you off. If he pulled no. that shit two years ago, that would not have fucking flown. It would have, but but not in the same way of like, oh, we have this outrage and now he's benefiting from it. It would have been outrage, silence him. His label would have threw him under the bus. There would have been such fear. And it's interesting how now, and I think this is where people get a little confused. I think there is such the culture now in like big business is to embrace the controversy. Everybody's taking the Madonna blueprint, which means sometimes we get confused when Nike's like Black Lives Matter, Colin Kaepernick, and stuff like that. It it toes a very fine line because you think that they're being activists when in actuality they are embracing controversy. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because Nike is the same company that came out with Jesus shoes with holy water in it. They're the same ones that just came out with the devil Nikes. Like they, they are benefiting on the backs of division and controversy. But wait, time out. But they, but they completely cease and desisted the 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 label to say that that wasn't nike that 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 wasn't sanctioned did you read this they're suing him they're suing nike is suing nike suing because people are saying that we'll never wear nike again because the christians are all up in arms right and when i say christians i say that in quotations because it has nothing to do with love so whatever these social domestic terrorists are i'll just say it yeah um these fuckers they're like, oh, we're going to protest. So Nike's like, you know, it's about the dollars. Don't get it twisted. It's about you know the dollars. And so because like they actually didn't have a hand in it, they're like, no, 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 we didn't sanction this. So they're literally suing Little Nas, uh, Little Nas X. Let's let's get that shit clear. But you know, at the same time, I I really I'm I'm very 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 proud of that piece of art. I mean, it's literally like it's so of it's generation. Do you know what I mean? And I'm saying this as someone who is a couple generations before and like watching that, the, the hubris and the, and the audacity and the, and the, um, yeah, we're fucking doing this. Like that fearlessness of fully just going in is fucking incredible to me. It's so incredible. I think it's very brave. I think it's very brave and I think it's actually going to sort of it kick down the door and in a pair of heels sliding down a stripper pole. Um, I think for a lot of people to be able to express themselves and also this, the audacity for a grown ass man to embrace his own skin within his sexuality Because I don't even want to say that it's femininity. Because when people say femininity, the reason they say it's a bad thing is because people are fucking misogynists. And people Mm. think that the worst thing in the world you can be is a fucking woman. And that needs to be identified. You can call me feminine. I don't think it's a bad thing because I don't think it's a bad thing to be a woman. Mm. You know what I mean? And like this young man embraced his skin, his sexuality, and Mm. as an artist, fully expressed himself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like fully went into the drag and did it. And it and it's very hard for people to see a man be that cool in his own skin. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. I see no lies. I hear no lies. <laughs> um, th- yeah. I didn't know it was going here, but yeah. I, I think it's cool. Again, 
I am not the target audience. I feel like it takes a lot to like shock me or an invest. I, I, I like. Oh yeah, like, I wasn't shocked. Please, no. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I respect what he's doing. I like the challenge that he's making. And again, for his for his target audience, I think he knocked it out of the park. And he's he's got him. He's got him. Oh yeah, and you know, really, you know, sticking up for himself. And there, but you know, actually, kind of going back to what I was saying about like moving beyond the BIPOC thing, like. There is something about us as artists, us as artists, claiming our space, right? Like really walking in the room and claiming our space, which leads me to you, uh, oh, kind sir. I see. I see so, what you did there. Yeah. Hey. hey. Um, so something that Davon is doing that I'm so genuinely impressed by is your show, The Receipts as an AEA delegate, because it's one thing to sort of like, you know, play the wizard behind the curtain and talk shit. It's quite Mm. another thing to have the courage to lead, to take a position that is literally you have, you were, you were voted into. So your peers agree that you are someone who would be a leader and then to not to dwell in facts. It, Mm. It takes a lot of courage to dwell in facts, especially in an industry where, facts are relative in a lot of ways because at the end of the day i was telling my mom this because I'm, I'm back home visiting right now i was like you know mom it's super weird at the end of the day because we work in this business where we're playing make-believe mm-hmm. but we're playing make-believe with people's with people's lives and people's paychecks so it's it's very complicated and nuanced because at the end of the day we're all very sensitive human beings and ego is a huge part of this and so mm-hmm. what's interesting to me with what you're doing is you're like, this isn't about ego. This isn't about blah, blah, blah. This is literally about facts. Like mm-hmm. this is now, the, the ink is dried and this is what happened. And I find it fascinating that you're just searching for answers. What was the impetus? And we're going to go deeper into this in other episodes. When you realized, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to hop on camera and I'm going to pull up paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> um. A lot of it was, again, it goes back to the accident. Uh, when I was left vulnerable, there were, like, again, what is it? Um, there was a counselor who was there who did not help me after I was like, oh, what do I do? Though, did not, did not get help. Still on council, still doing stuff, still running. Like, it's just, it's just funny. Um, I, I, I tried. I tried to get help. I tried to get answers. I couldn't get clear. I couldn't get clarity on anything. So then I was like, you know what? I could get really upset. I can be really petty. I can sue the union. I can sue the Weston. And I'm still within my right. I'm still within the window. I might still do it. But right now, what I was saying is, you know what? I know that I have a couple of skill sets that if I just introduce, maybe it can bring about change. So for me, something that was really important was this idea of accountability, being open, being just asking questions, talking about sharing stuff. And right now, there's this whole fear of not being liked. There's this whole, I was talking about this on Clubhouse as well. We also have gangs. An issue with a lot of our unions is we have gang culture. Correct. Um, And what I mean by that is you got people on one side, you got people already planning for the 2022 campaign. You got people who are sending text messages. And now there's this new culture between the delegates and the council where they'll, because they know like, if you send me something directly, I won't out you. Like anything that I show on the receipts is never directly from me. I have never leaked a single thing. 
All I do is ask questions and go, but, but, but this looks like it's true. Are you going to address this? That's all I've done. Um, but people like to go a step further. And my promise is if you're going to share something with me, I will not out you. I just won't do it. I, I don't believe in, I, I don't believe in that, but I do believe in truth. So when I do get this information, when I do get what's going on, um, I tend to, I tend to use it where it's, when I have permission, I tend to use it. Um, and what I'm finding is that like, I'll get screenshots of people being like, oh, you're in that camp. Oh, you agree with that thing. And I think I talked to you a little bit about this as well. When I, uh, started doing the Black Theater Matters Bill tour, where I would talk to people that I believe could yes. help rally. Yes, and yes, this yes, idea yes. of be- people being like, did you work with this counselor? Is this counselor's name on it? Is that there? And I was like, no. But had I said yes, those counselors probably wouldn't have wanted to vote for any of it. Those counselors probably wouldn't have wanted to done any. They wouldn't have wanted to do anything. And it's interesting how like you can have a great idea, and the gang culture has gotten so bad that they will vote against something just to spite that person. And I think that is a virus. That's a virus. That's a cancer. Amen. Well, it it quite literally is politics. Like straight in the most like definitive like the definition of isn't it? And it's actually yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, tell me if I'm incorrect, but it's political theater. No yeah. pun intended. It's what it is. Hi, this is Aaron, your host and producer of the show. So there's a lot happening right now in the world. And rather than take a moment to have a commercial, I thought it would be nice for us to take a moment and recalibrate. How does that sound? Excellent. Okay, so get comfortable, and we're going to take a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. Deep breath in, and just let it out. All right. Now close your eyes, and breathe normally.
perfect. I hope you feel a little better now. And just remember, you are perfect. And you are loved. Okay. Let's get back to the show. If you want to know the even the deeper story behind what that accident was and how we ended up here, this is the shit we're going to unpack this month. Like we're going to go all all into it. So just ride on this journey and like enjoy um enjoy it because it's going to it's going to be really interesting. And and you know, I think that's the thing too that I really appreciate about like you said, you're you believe in truth um and again, what is truth in a in a in a business that's about make believe? <laughs> I had a counselor two days ago. They were doing some. It was some public stunt they were trying to do. What I also have to be better about is I have to acknowledge that I'm becoming popular because of what I'm doing. What I wanted to do is working, and it's not always going to be met with open arms when people have their own agendas. But with that being said, there was this counselor, passionate, bless her heart, bless her heart. But uh, she was <laughs> she was trying her best to get a win. She wanted to win so bad to the point where we were talking about like another counselor lying. And she was like, who doesn't lie? People lie here and there. And I was like, wow, you have been exposed to so much, so much BS that you have accepted lying as commonplace. You have accepted that kind of behavior as normal look at yourself like look at what you look at what you allow look at what you and i know my thing is i have this belief that every single counselor every single delegate anyone that goes into a service position inherently wants to do good correct but what ends up happening is you either go with the culture that you're presented or you go against and we know when you go against the waves or you go against any type of force any type of mass times acceleration if you go against it it does not feel good. It is hard. So sometimes people think, oh, if I just go with the stream, I can maybe curve some things over. And I think that's bullshit. Well, it makes perfect sense because we literally, as performing fucking artists, want, whether anyone says it, we desperately want people to like what we do. And I think there's two ways that you can go about this as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, there's the superficial part of it, which is applause, right? And then you feel like a sense of gratitude. And that's, it's, it's a little, applause is a little superficial, even though it's quite enjoyable, right? It's, it's what's not to like, you know? And I, and I'm so glad that I, I even had, you know, my time in my youth where like I have the empathy of being a performer because that feeling, it, it really is, it's, it's like a drug, right? And so there's that. But then as creators and people on the back end, it, you really want people to i don't i don't know if the word is like but you want to be what's the word hold on and i'll edit this to be a little clearer you want as an art as a performing artist particularly in theater moving out and that goes into film that goes into all the other mediums really as as people who create 
and perform. You want to be recognized. And part of that recognition sometimes comes with social constructs of cliques and gangs. And, Mm -hmm. oh, but wait, uh, you know, uh, person Y, uh, I really like them. And we get margaritas together and they don't want to do this. So maybe it's okay. You know what I'm saying? And so what mm-hmm. ends up happening is there's a little bit of compromising that goes down, which is a deeper conversation to have, because I think that that's something now that, especially as, as, as uh, artists of, of, of color, um, that it's very important that we're showing everyone, going back to what you said earlier, that we can come from a place of authenticity. And just because I'm a Latin man, the tropes and stereotypes of what you think my art is going to look like isn't going to be part of what you identify that as. Do you know what I mean? Just like, anyway, but I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of waxing poetic now, but does that make any no. sense? No, it makes perfect sense, yeah. What would you say has been your biggest takeaway? Let's, let's get past the, the man who, is, who has the... Uh, it needs to be acknowledged. Like, it takes a lot of guts to lead and it's i don't think it's quite what people think it is you know no one really wants it everyone wants it but then you get it and they don't realize really what it is you know what i mean it's like everyone is like i'm a producer and i'm like it's a terrible job like don't play house with that title it's yeah it's rough like when i finally ended up in this position i was like what the I was like, damn it. I need to be more careful about what I ask for. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's rough, you know? Mm-hmm. And just like, oh, I want to be in the art in the theater or in the arts or the performing arts. Okay. Like, but it's a whole thing. Like it's not cute. Like it has these beautiful, beautiful moments, but it's ultimately um there's a reason why your parents are like, Are you sure you don't want to get into like physical therapy? Um, so all of your activism aside. And are you comfortable with me saying that this is what you're doing in terms of like what you're trying to actually do for your industry is um, activism? I I accept. I feel like I get in the way of things. I feel like I'm one of those people that's like, no, too much pressure, title. It is what it is. I don't care. It's good. I mean, listen, you're... I don't feel the pressure of it anymore. I'll say that. Well, I'll say this. I also, do. I, I think that title, I agree. There's a, there's a lot of weight to it, right? Especially when you yeah. look at certain people. But in terms of like basically taking action, the theme of this episode is action. Hashtag action. Let's just do it, right? That'll probably be the name. It Anytime you're moving forward and you're you're taking actionable steps and really doing the damn, to me, that, that that's all forms of activism. Because mm-hmm. activism isn't just these brave kids hitting the streets in the middle of a pandemic it's in all kinds of ways and i think that that's important as artists to understand that we can be activists in a lot of ways anyway so my long tangent to a point is um as an artist though like when you're decompressing after (laughs) fucking moderating (laughs) <laughs> going through paperwork Devon is like the fucking go-to guy on a panel like seriously this fucking guy I lo- I'm obsessed I'm so totally obsessed uh, I'm, to- I'm obsessed and so obviously I'm like let's talk for a month Um, so uh, but as an artist like what what is your takeaway right now like and it, yeah like what is that feeling when um, all that's away because at the end of the day you're an artist, period. 
Well, at the end of the day, I, I've learned to accept and love the person I see in the mirror, and that person is Davon. I, I am Davon. Davon is all these things. But as they get put on, I think, oh, God, here's the best way to say it. An activist activates. That is important. An artist makes art. If you are Correct. not making art, you are not an artist. If you are not, if you are, if you're performing, you are a performer. They are different. But here's the trick. With any of these jobs, you have to work. In order for something to be a job, there's work that has to be done in it. So here's the issue, and you see this a lot. Um, when I was in college, uh, my teacher slash mentor slash person I respect with all my heart, Johnny Hobbs Jr., sits us all down. He's like, there's three types of actors. You have the performer, you have the person that's like seeking fame. You got that person that just wants that applause and all that. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. the artist who gets caught up in the, in the should, I, should I turn my, my hand like this? And then you have the moneymaker. Those are the three kind of artists, as you would say. Those are the three kind of actors that you normally see. That's that, and somewhere you're, you're somewhere in that triangle. Everyone's trying to find that perfect area in the triangle where they're happy and they live. Some people are very far to one of those corners, but that's the constant fight that he, he observed. As I continue to come out, I tend to see things more and more his way. And what I've learned is I'm a lot closer to that artist part of being an actor or or putting anything in. Um, even in, in the idea of being an activist, I think I really go over to that artist part. And part of that trap of being an artist is you can get so caught up in the facts. You can get so caught up in the numbers. But also... Your biggest weakness is also your biggest strength. So in a panel situation, um, I find that that helps. Like if someone's going to speak on a topic, it blows my mind. And you saw this recently in a clubhouse where this guy of so much stature comes on and rambled for 20 minutes. And it's like, sir, you experienced the topic that we're talking on. You didn't do any of your homework. You didn't bother to prep for any. Like you are... it blew my mind. So my thing is like, I think there's also a part of respect that goes into that. So you have the artistry, you have the the work that comes with doing a job. And then there's that other part. And I feel like people get, oh my God, I don't want to shade anybody. I'm trying not to shade. Um, I, I just <laughs> So it's that idea of like, as I make my way through New York, as I make my way through this pandemic and I meet more people, I meet incredible people. I'm meeting you. I'm meeting people over at Affect and Broadway uh, Broadway uh, for Racial Justice and back mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. these, uh, BNR, these great art organizations mm-hmm. and they're doing the work. And then I meet some people and I go, God, if you couldn't have hit that note, if you didn't hit that note on that Broadway show, I don't know where you would have been because that's literally what you're clinging to. Like, there's just people I'm like, you, you didn't do the work. You're just not doing the work. Um, and I think to me, that's, that's what I've become more dedicated to, doing mm-hmm. the work. Um, that's a lot of the compliments that I get when I, when I do shows as an actor. Uh, when I was doing Oklahoma, because of course, that's the thing we've been talking about. One of the greatest mm-hmm. things I walked away with as I started trusting myself more, I was the lead. I was curly. And I went, you know what? I know what's expected of me. They want me to come in and do all this, but I want to I go through the process. And I'll never Correct. forget, there was one day the director was looking at me and he was like, what is going on? Like, just not understanding. But what was cool is that he still trusted me. Yes. Um, and then when we came back, by the, once that show was up and running, I remember everyone just coming to me like, I've never seen a curly like this. 
This is you're you're finding depth. You're finding this. And it didn't come from me just being like, oh, all this good training. No, it came from me doing the homework. I learned about the Black Cowboys. I started calling down to Oklahoma, asking mm-hmm. for records and being like, can you give me these speech patterns? Can you give me this? Going and just working on it and not not going to rehearsals to impress the director, not going to rehearsals to like upstage my, my partner, but going there to be like, let's live in this sentence for a second. Let's, 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 let's explore this world for a second. I just saw this video of this cowboy doing something weird with his wrist. I want to try and incorporate that and actually craft something from the ground up. It also takes a lot of work. Like, I remember when that show was done, I was like, I'm good. I don't want to go to the next show. I want to sit down for like a month. That month turned into a pandemic, but <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, you know? I, I, I actually think that's a great place for us to have this actually be uh, our first little burst of a really live preview of what you're about to hear for the rest of this month. And you just said something that really hit me hard, hard. You're like, let's live in this second and let's craft something. And like, that is, you are an example of that. You are literally living within the present. You are, you are showing up and you are being present and you're living inside of it and you are crafting something. And I think that's something that's very important for all of us to figure out in a very, dare I say, humble way, because it's a it's a fine balance, right? We've got to have enough confidence that we we believe in ourselves. Like you said, we have to be comfortable in our skins. It takes a while. And I, uh, you know, listen, I'm 40. I tr- how am I? How am I? 42. <clears throat> Cue the daddy jokes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, see what I brought a full circle, damn it. Um, but like, you know, it takes a while to get cozy in your skin. And I think that's something to think about as artists. This is deeper, deeper than than how you identify racially, how you identify anything is, I think, for us to move forward as an industry. And to be clear, this is not about demonizing our our white brothers and sisters. That's not the gig. It's not about that. It's actually the opposite of that. The truth is, I'll say this over and over again. I actually want to see everyone on stage and in front of the camera, but you've, you've, you've sadly shown us that like you don't. And so now we have to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I got like emotional for a second. So I think that that's, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about everyone for this next month is like living inside of this shit and really crafting this experience and figuring out within your own skin, how can we move forward and take some fucking action? I mean, this is, you know, this is our life. Like, this is real life. <laughs> this isn't, you know, this isn't, this part of it isn't pretend. This is real life, you know? And if there's one thing that hopefully we've all gotten from this pandemic is to realize how incredibly precious life is. I agree. I fully agree. All right, everyone. So, yo, okay, do the thing. Give us the love. We're doing this. So uh, follow us at 4FS underscore podcast on Instagram, on Twitter, on the Facebook. It's We're on everything. We're even on Pandora. Even TikTok? Even TikTok? Uh, uh, well, so no, we're going to be on TikTok. No, we're going to be, we will be. But here's actually what's happening that I'm very excited about. God damn it, Davon. I'm like, uh, so... Uh, we AKS Productions, my production company that is now producing all this content. We are going to start having weekly roundups starting in April on AKS Productions 
on Clubhouse. So we're a club. I'll put a link for that in the Instagram um, little link. And uh, if you want to check me out, I'm Director Salazar. Davon, what's your handle? At day willing, like today and willing and able, or, you know, like day and will link. Day and willing. So follow us. Also, all this, please use your thumbs. You know, I'm going to activate all these links. So listen, <laughs> follow us. Let's support each other. Let's jump into these conversations. And the thing we're excited about with the clubhouse is we're going to keep this conversation and you can jump in. Like this is about community, everybody. And this is about, it's about everyone. It's really, really about everyone. So with all that, everyone, until then, please be healthy, be actionable, and most importantly, be authentic. Much love. For fuck's sake podcast is brought to you by Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions. Original music by Manuel Paleo and Giancarlo Bonfanti. Produced and engineered by Aaron Salazar. Recorded in New York City.